You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 229 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me in the kitchen studio and I'm incredibly pleased he's here <laughs> because things didn't go quite to plan on Friday. Did it's not? Matt Smith. Hello everyone. Hello. Did you miss me, Carlos? Did I miss him? <laughs> this is the face of someone who really missed this guy Friday. Right. Okay, never mind. There uh, apologies for anyone who is in the chat room who was possibly t- trying to tune into Friday's show, but unfortunately due to an issue with um mm. um well, I, I just don't know what the issue is with <laughs> with something. The, uh, we didn't get the show out Friday. Hence the reason we're here Sunday morning. Right. <laughs> and also okay. joining us uh, via the uh, realms of Google Hangouts, which is again working today, <laughs> is uh, our other awesome co-host, Mr. Neville Bounds. Yes, morning, folks. I've never heard such language from you, Carlos, <laughs> as I did on Friday. I didn't realise that was in your vocabulary. No, but, no. Uh, it's probably just <laughs> as He's well a regular we've... potty mouth. I tell you, when, yeah. when those microphones are turned off, it's frightening. Yeah. yeah. How, but, how uh, are you, no, Thank goodness we're all here now, and yeah. uh, thanks for your help, Matt. Oh, all part of fun. It's, uh, it's, 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 a small part of me was actually quite pleased I was missed. Uh, missed. <laughs> but, uh, there we are. Anyway, it's, it's good to be here. It's good to be here. Oh, I'll tell you what, <laughs> speed dial is not the word. Yeah, I know. It was a bit of a shock when I took my phone out of the glove box of my car because I was because I was at a social event I was trying to be a good boy and actually like put my phone away so that I'm not sort of there at this so I because I do hate it when you're at a social event and people are all sitting there on their mobiles and all that kind of thing so I was trying to be a good boy by putting it in a way <laughs> when, when I got to about sort of 10 half 10 at the end of the evening and sort of got my phone out of the glove box of the car <laughs> it, was, it was a bit of a shock I'm not gonna yeah. lie <laughs> honestly <laughs> I, anyway. I, I just got to the stage and I said, right, never, we're going to call it a day. Okay. And um, I just, oh, I was, I was just unplugging everything and mm. slinging it in the box. Right, and, okay. And, 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 I must admit there was a very brief conversation that I had with, with Gemma early doors this morning uh, when I got here that sort of said that there was a sort of an exclusion <laughs> round. There was an exclusion <laughs> zone round Carlos because he was very waspy, apparently. I've, he was I've, quite I've He was avoiding family members and oh everything God. for the rest of the day. I, I, yeah. have, I have got to make a few phone calls after the show this morning, one of which is to my Apologies, father-in-law. I suppose, yes. Um, who, who came round on Friday to bring me bring me said birthday present right. for today which I haven't opened yet <laughs> oh, and, um, no. and is it he, your birthday I, I didn't realise possibly right. my oh, birthday right, today okay. <laughs> and uh, he, he came to the kitchen door here behind me and right. um, I, I d- kind of said hello father-in-law oh, chat he's good yes and right. that's about it Really, that's yeah. appalling. You should be ashamed oh. of yourself. I know that's how much this, this show means to me. This kind of behaviour can't be tolerated. I don't know what you. <laughs> well, oh. I, I, yes, I think if it had gone on any longer, that would have been it. Really right. Okay. We are very close to solving it at one point, actually, and then having thought we'd solved it, <laughs> right? It, 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 it wasn't the case. Oh, yes. So actually, uh, you were saying it was a bit too early for for the people in the states today, but and then I said Uncle Micah just popped up on the old chat room. So there we are. Oh, you see, yeah, Micah. Yeah, bless him. Honestly, I haven't. O- I haven't opened his card yet. Actually, Micah sent me Aww. a card. Bless him. I haven't opened any. I haven't opened anything yet. I haven't even opened the only present that I actually opened. Right, is the steam iron that my mum brought me. Oh, you are so sad. 
Oh my goodness me! It's, it's one it, of those. Is it a USB one or a Bluetooth? No, one? it's one of those steam generator ones. Yeah. With how, the, how do the, you the water yeah. reservoir? Does it play music? Um, no, no. Is it's it awesome. connectivity with your it's car? Awesome. No. Right. Okay. Steam iron, everyone. Yeah, you heard it here first. Wow. <laughs> is that what is that what constitutes nice presents at forty-two awesome years old? Is it right? Okay. Awesome present. Yeah. I, I, so I've got that to look forward to. I mean, what, what was your forty-second highlight, uh, Nev, when 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 you reached that tender age? <laughs> it was such a long time ago. I can't oh, possibly remember. I think stop a, it. A, a pint and a, a pie. Yeah, Amen. Pie. Yes, which is the sort of reaction I'd expect, Nev. I've yeah. got to be honest. Uh, not a steam iron. You've, you've, uh, many man points have been lost, I think, on this particular occasion, Carlos. Uh, uh, so we are going to move ourselves across oh, to we? the chat room oh, oh, right. to, set, to welcome everyone who has joined us on this Sunday morning. It is the 12th of August. And 1976 was the best year, wasn't it, Matt, um, in August? Yeah, November, I think, was more of yeah, a highlight, okay. personally, but anyway. <laughs> so it is the 12th of August. It is uh, five past ten in the morning. Loads of people in the chat room. Um, thank goodness. You've got Auntie Liz, Matthew Bunting Frame, Evan Shue, Glenn Towler, Mash is in the chat room as well. Johnny Sheldon, welcome to you, Johnny. First time in the live chat room this morning. We've got Tony S. Um, we've got Stephen Agar. Agar he's going to have to send this one in this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Send us an audio clip in of how you pronounce your name, because I hate right. pronouncing people's names wrong, as you probably know in the show. Uh, Pilot <laughs> Pip is also in the chat room. He I've said, um, Pip said, did you get my present? Uh, no, Pip. Uh, unfortunately, the phantom that was bringing it in was too small. Right. I couldn't make it here. Uh, we've also got Micah, our main man, Micah, in the chat room as well. And, um, yeah, welcome to everyone who's joined us in the live chat room this morning. Very good, yes. So we've got loads of stuff to get through on the show today. We've got loads of news stories. And uh, we've also got another awesome segment from, uh, uh, well, Nev, our king of audiovisual stuff. He's going uh, to introduce that segment later on. But we've got another awesome one from Farnborough. And, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, and we've got a top ten this week as well. We've got Ooh, a top we? ten this week as well. We haven't had one of those for a long while. And hello to Barbara. Barb's in the uh, chat room as well. She's just popped in the chat room there. Right. Uh, so, yeah. So, Matt, are you right there? Yes. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, keep talking. I've just I'll got a little technical issue. Drag the segue out a little yeah, bit if you further mind, here. That would be helpful. And uh, we've also, don't forget, at the end of the show, we've got a load, an absolute pile of details <laughs> to uh, for the barbecue that's happening next weekend. That's ah. next Saturday uh, will be our barbecue, our big barbecue at Seething Airfield. And we've got uh, a whole sheet of information to give uh, you guys anyone who's coming to the uh, barbecue about uh, the ins and outs and the what's right, you can stop filling now it's all good of, uh, yeah. the barbecue. <laughs> that's coming up later on in the show so we are always oh, a pro isn't he we are oh, going to start yeah. the show as we do each week with a rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the uk so if you're ready matt oh i was born give ready some glancing yeah. looks <laughs> and if you're ready nev yes we are now see Let's at the go. start of the show you were actually missing oh. me he's already not missing me let's go So, kicking off this week's first news story, then, this one is on the newsinfo.inquirer.net. Wow, that's a mouthful. Indeed. Uh, this news story was obviously big news uh, Friday evening. Mm. And I think if you haven't seen this, it's been, it's been on nearly every news channel. And uh, this uh, the story is all about the um, the Horizon, or the Alaska Horizon mm. uh, Dash 8 Q400 that was uh, stolen um, 
took on a joyride. Mm. I don't know how you quite put this uh, by an airline worker. And uh, this is one of the latest ones that's um, just come out in the last sort of few few hours on the site. So, the theft of a company turboprop plane by an airline worker at SeaTac International Airport, who performed dangerous loops before crashing into a remote island in Puget. Puget, Puget, Puget Sound, illustrated what uh, aviation experts have long known. One of the biggest potential perils for commercial air travel is airline or airport employees causing mayhem. The investigators are piecing together how the airline ground agent working his regular shift role uh, stole an empty Horizon Air turboprop plane, took off on Friday night from SeaTac and fatally crashed into the small island after being chased by military jets, F-15s they were, uh, uh, that were quickly scrambled. Officials said uh, on Saturday, they, yesterday, that the man was a 35-year-old uh, Horizon uh, employee, or no, sorry, 3.5-year Horizon employee, so he'd not been with the company long. Uh, he was 29 years old and had clearance to be among aircraft, but uh, to their knowledge, he wasn't a licensed pilot. Uh, obviously, the pictures and stuff. There are there is various videos uh, circulating on YouTube and stuff on on the news feeds um, from obviously people who'd videoed and sent the videos in. And uh, one of these was uh, the video. Someone had actually videoed the aircraft going into mm. a loop and yeah. pulling out of a loop, and then obviously yeah. um, flying. He flew for nearly an hour. I think mm. this guy with the uh, with the aircraft. Um, but these, now, you know, uh, yeah, and I, mean, I hope people understand really that whilst those videos are available, we've decided that because mm. it's a bit of a sensitive subject at the moment, obviously yeah. that we're not going to sort of sort of cover it, it in great it does, detail. But it, it is it's an, a very that, yeah thing in your head, you know, you, how easy it would be, you know, if I worked at an airport, not that I would do, but you know, mm. just walk onto an aircraft, you've got your up your passes, your ID badges and stuff, so you're not going to be challenged. <sighs> But I'm surprised. A lot of people, I think, are surprised, and I think you probably saw this as well, Nev. A lot of people are surprised that he managed to get as far on the, um, you know, on the airport grounds as such with the aircraft to to be able to get. But to then, if he's not out of place, why would anybody in a, in a busy airport? Why mm. would somebody sort of? It's all about being in the right him. place at the right time, isn't it? I yeah. think he pretty probably just didn't do that off, um, you know, off the cuff, as it were. I think this, this was definitely planned. I would say. Yeah. I think as well, um, before we move on, if you go over to liveatc.net, yeah. which is a really good site that um, you can yeah. go on to to listen to ATC transmissions. Yes, there actually, is actually, th thank you to Armando who sent us some links actually. Yeah, uh, Armando sent us that. There is actually um, the recording and stuff which has now been compressed actually because yeah. it was quite a long recording before. Okay. And you can actually listen to the ATC transmissions between uh, the, the chap, Andy, and the ground control. Right. And yeah, it makes for... Um, for interesting listening, right? Mm. Okay. Right, well, we may we may well cover that in more detail when more detail, mm. you know, when all the facts have been sorted out. Really, I think. But uh, but moving yeah. on to uh, the next story, and this seems to be a weekly occurrence for you, Mr. Smith. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is there any? I mean, I'm gonna have to check on Flight Radar 24 soon to see if there are actually any Ryanair aircraft. Right. Flying. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, right, uh, I've I got the wrong. I've got. I've obviously got the wrong show notes here. You've put, you've brought, you've brought the old ones. I've up, obviously brought you? the old yeah. ones up, haven't I? Okay, so here so, we go. <laughs> I brought up the forwarded ones. No, there's there's two there's two lots of show notes that I sent you. Honestly, I did I warn say. him before we start the show. Oh, okay, all right. I've got you're right. No, it's not that one, is it? No, okay. The, it will be the newest <laughs> set of show notes okay. that I sent to you. Um, okay, we'll have a look at that. 
Uh, oh yeah! Oh, I see. We're away. Well done. Uh, that, that was smooth, wasn't see, it? Matt, Matt's good at tech. He is. He is good at tech. With We're the not very good at stuff. Yeah. So, really anyway, if I was you, Carlos, I wouldn't have a go at Matt about anything at the moment. Excuse me. I, I, I know. I, all right, Nev. All right. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Nev. Appreciate it. Anyway, um, moving on. The Telegraph <laughs> is the uh, story to which we are covering this particular event from and it's Ryanair faces more turbulence as Polish pilots plan to join the strike and as Carlos says it does seem to be a bit of a, a regular thing at the moment so European pilots have sought to counter concerns that Ryanair is ramping up the transfer of hundreds of jobs to countries less welcoming to unions so the president of the European Cockpit Association the ECA a body that represents more than 38,000 pilots from national associations across 36 countries has told the Sunday Telegraph that Polish pilots want to be part of the movement movement against Ryanair. The low-cost carrier has already signalled its intention to transfer a fifth of its Irish fleet to Poland this winter, a country with very limited union representation, as part of a dispute over pay and working conditions that have now split over across middle uh, multiple European jurisdictions. Um, and that's basically the end of the story there, but it, it, yeah, it's a bit of a... Yeah. Uh, Mash has just put in the chat room that Dutch yeah. Ryanair pilots have also been striking as well. Yeah, absolutely. It must I, be. It must be. I know, uh, I think in it, I read something yesterday on the on the um, various news wires that Mr. O'Leary had, had sort of been poo-pooing it really, not really, oh, see him. <laughs> but it must be hurting the old um, uh, yeah. what slightly. I mean, if nothing else, it's certainly hurting the reputation, isn't it? I mean, there's, there's yeah. no two ways about that. Um, but... Uh, Mm, don't know. I say they've got all these new aircraft on order from Boeing. Let's not forget, mm. you know, and they need pilots to they fly pilots said to fly aircraft. Them. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> you think they'd be encouraging pilots to come and join the airline rather than uh, mm. upsetting them? Uh, but, what do you uh, think, Nev? Is this a bit of a PR disaster? Do you think? Or? This was going to happen, wasn't it? The, yeah. w- w- the moment that um, Ryanair uh, um, recognised unions. Um, they were going to have some trouble and it hasn't taken very long and uh, no. they need to solve this quickly, I think, because this will just uh, run on and on. And I suppose, in a sense, luckily, we're coming to the end of the, the summer season, as it were, yeah. or nearly at the end of it. Uh, but they need to solve this in the next couple of months, definitely. Mm. Do you think that EasyJet are sitting there like this? <laughs> Rubbing their hands together, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's but, uh, well, and and even BA. I mean, because yeah, they've yeah. got low cost models and stuff now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and and of course, a lot of these pilots, uh, a lot of these pilot strikes are affecting people who are um, already abroad, and they're having to pay over the odds. They're paying three hundred odd pound to get. But I think there was one story where they were they were in Poland. They had to go to Warsaw and then back to to Heathrow or something like that to to try and complete their yeah. weekend away that they had planned. Uh, it's uh, it's a tricky one, isn't it? So moving on to the next story, and uh, Nev, it's uh, another bit of a PR issue, I think, oh, for no. BA. They've, they've not thought this through, have they, those, those <laughs> oh, BA no. fellas and girls? It's not heat well, this is on the uh, skynews.com website, and the headline says, Indian family thrown off British Airways flight over crying child. Indians are threatening to boycott British Airways after a family claimed that they were thrown off one of its planes because their child was crying. The father, an Indian civil civil servant called A.P. Patak, 
had accused the airline of racism as he claimed a crew member threatened to throw his three-year-old son out of the window if he did not stop crying. Mr Patak said that his family were offloaded as well as another Indian family sitting behind them uh, who had offered his son a biscuit. BA said that the family were repeatedly told, uh, sorry, asked to sit their child down and fasten his seatbelt as it was stopping the plane from taking off. In a letter of complaint to in, uh, India's aviation minister, uh, Mr Patak said he was subjected to humiliation and racial behaviour on the flight from London City to Berlin on the 23rd of July. Mr Patak uh, said his child started crying when placed in his seat before takeoff, so his wife took the child in her arms to comfort him. He claimed a male crew member started shouting and scolded my son uh, and said his child was terrified and started crying inconsolably. As the aircraft started taxiing, Mr Patak said the same crew member came again and shouted at my son that you keep quiet, otherwise you'll be thrown out of the window and we would be offloaded. We were petrified. Mr Patak said that the plane then returned to the terminal and security officers came onto the plane, took away their boarding cards and those of the Indian family behind them, then marched them off the aircraft. In the letter, the civil servant added, the crew member made racist remarks and used the word, uh, words like bloody about Indians. Indians on social media have called for a boycott of Britain's national carrier, with many calling the incident shameful. Uh, Bina Gupta said Indians should, should stop travelling by British Airways. Uh, and the story goes on. Uh, but uh, I think that the problem that they have got here, I think the, the airline um, should really have done nothing first of all and trying to do things uh when you're when the situation is already you know a bit overheated yeah um so the air so the airplane gets delayed so they have to go back to the gate well so what i think yeah. just that's a better situation than what they've got themselves into here and obviously this is only one side of the story but yeah and uh, uh, haven't really commented except but to say that it's a safety requirement for all airlines that passengers are seated and have their seatbelt fastened for takeoff yeah. we're investigating the complaint and we engage with our customer and but i do I think they, they, whichever way you look at it, they, this could have been handled better. Yeah, well, yeah, and also a part of me is actually sort of, I, I know this is going to make me very, make me very unpopular, but uh, we only do have one side of the story here, and I have to say, given the amount of training and experience that sort of cabin crew are given, I, I do find this this method of approach almost unbelievable. I'm not saying it didn't happen like this. Hmm. But can you see what I mean? I'm sort of I'm I'm really concerned that because we've only got one side of the story here, I, I can't help but maybe this has all been a bit over exaggerated for the purposes of media. Yes, and, and you, you never get the full story, do you? But uh, whichever way it's gone, uh, mm. the result is still the same. Yes, it a is a PR nightmare. PR, yeah, yeah, for, yeah for, absolutely. For BA, uh, but as I say, I'm feeling a little bit sort of sorry almost mm. for, for BA really here because I, I, I don't know. I, I understand why they've opted not to sort of comment. But, um, you know, I, I, I find with any cabin crew that this particular approach seems, I'll be honest, highly unlikely. Yeah. Yeah, um, but maybe I'm maybe I'm speaking out of turn. I mean, perhaps I'm only lucky in the fact that the only cabin crew I've ever come across, obviously, aka Stuart and Owen, and and that you know that they're very good at what they do, and and perhaps that's why it seems so alien to me that, that I think I think Owen crew... could probably charm any child to be quiet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 he's the ultimate uh, actually. We were we we were sitting in um uh, where where 
uh, Carlos and I get our haircut at Rogues Barbers in Beckles there and we'll be <laughs> shameless plug yeah shameless plug absolutely yeah might get a free haircut you never know <laughs> uh, but uh, we were, were sitting there and um, uh, his wife came in with the kids and stuff and literally it was ju- he just literally immediately started entertaining the two children that came in it was just it was brilliant anyway uh, that's not, not the point yeah I, I just I, I, that's what I say I, it's normally uh, it just seems just seems a very alien way for them to, to mm. have gone about it as you say either way how, however it happened next if, week we're going to have a good BA story are we? Yeah, All right. I just feel it in my bones. Do you? Yeah. Right. Okay. So next story good is luck, good luck with that. on. Uh, <laughs> next story is on, on a bit of a weird website. I don't know quite why this is on this website, but it's on the moneysavingexpert.com. Okay. Well, mm. it's a very. It's not a weird website. It's a very good website. It's a good website. Yeah. Martin Lewis is a bit of a legend. I've got to be honest. So the headline is Wizz Air named the worst airline for oh. UK flight delays. So Wizz Air had the worst punctuality record of the UK's busiest, uh, busiest airlines, Civil Aviation Authority data has shown. Analysis of the regulator's data by the Press Association found that the low-cost carriers' UK departures were 23 minutes late on average. That's not that bad. Uh, that was in 2017. Compared to an average delay of 15 minutes uh, for all of the 44 airlines included in the piece. Norwegian uh, or Norwegian uh, the, you'll, uh, you'll get you'll get emails. <laughs> <laughs> had the second worst performance, followed by Vueling Airlines and Thomas mm. Cook Airlines and BMI Regional. The data also showed that Scandinavian Airlines was the most punctual, with aircraft typically uh, typically taking off just seven minutes behind schedule. Well, it's still behind schedule. Mm. Aer Lingus had the second best record, followed by Air France, Alitalia, and Delta. Airlines. The rankings, uh, which were taken from Civil Aviation Authority (CAA) data, features the 44 airlines with at least 2,000 scheduled flights from UK airports last year. The average delay figures take into account every flight that operated, including those that were on time or cancelled. Services uh, are excluded from the survey. And uh, it's safe to say that I think in all my years of flying, I've never had any huge delays. The only one I did have was due to a medical emergency, which is fair enough. Yeah. But um, I, I, I can probably count the amount of times I've taken off in all my years of flying dead on time on one hand, probably not even one finger. Because I think you're normally, you know, even though you have a ticket that says that you're going to depart at 10 a.m., it's never going to be. You're never going to be wheels off the ground at 10 a.m. I must very, admit, very I'm, rare. I think. I mean, I've not done anywhere near as much flying, but I've, I've had sort of several experiences where actually delays are incredibly rare. Mm. I can in, in all the flights I've ever done. I think there was uh, there's only been one delay, and that was actually ironically flying to Scotland where I was delayed for 45 minutes, which uh, which is a, a delay in itself, yeah. but it's not. You no, know, no, no. It, I mean, it was a bit of breaking, a pain, but, uh, no. Nev. Um. <laughs> yeah, I think the other thing is that they always build in some factor. So you know, about twenty minutes usually uh, as a possibility for to, to allow for delay and that that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I, I have had to um, do a hotel accommodation overnight twice, or we had aircraft really? faults and, and that kind of stuff. But quite quite rarely, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, just. Um, just whilst we're talking here, um, do you remember the um, sometimes on television you have this thing where they say we interrupt this broadcast? Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do. Dot, dot, yes. Dot. Um, oh. You've got mail. Well, I've just received a, an email um, from somebody which you uh, you might like to have a listen to. Oh, Happy yeah. birthday, Carlos! Uh... <laughs> the family is all gathered together and celebrating your birthday. I thought it would be a good time to tell a little story. 
So everyone, please sit right back while your main man, Uncle Micah, tells you another AvGeek family story. You know, it always delights me how our family sticks together and helps each other out when we can. It's great being together with our AvGeek family, and it's terrific when I see our family getting together for a meetup, even when I can't be there. So let me tell you a little bit of a family story here. Now, I have a niece, Hannah. She's a niece by blood, not Jet A, though I do think a little avgas may run through her veins from her paternal grandfather. I guess we'll need to get her to a phlebotomist sometime to test so we can find out for sure. Anyway, during her third year in college, Hannah took a semester abroad in Belgium. She's a bit of a polyglot and is pretty fluent in German, not bad in Russian, Lithuanian, and Yiddish, and speaks a little French. She wants to work in international relations, so she hoped that studying in Brussels for a semester would get her moving in the right direction. Hannah arranged her flight to Brussels on her own. She told me she was going to fly out of Dulles in Washington, D.C. and end up with a very long early morning layover in Toronto. When I heard about her long Toronto layover, I could only think of one person, lovely Liz Piper. Now, this was over a year ago, and I hadn't even met lovely Liz yet. But we were friends through chat rooms here on PTUK as well as APG. Liz and I are podcast avgeek family. And with that distant yet very close family connection, she was kind enough to offer to host my niece for the day when Hannah changed planes in Toronto. Now there's more to this Hannah story, though. While living in Belgium and traveling around Europe on break, she ended up in hospital in Dubrovnik, Croatia, of all places. After being diagnosed, she was told she needed surgery but that it would be best to have it done back in Belgium where she could go home or, well, back to her rooms anyway, for post-surgical recovery. She flew back to Brussels via Zagreb and went right to hospital. When I mentioned this to my AvGeek podcast family, it was amazing, simply wonderful, really, that so many spoke up and said, here's my number, here's my address, I'm not that far away. If your niece needs anything, call me or have her call me. You adopted my niece like you adopted me. Thinking back on that makes me just fell. That's a Yiddish word. So do you remember Uncle Ralph? I've talked about him a couple of times, both on the airline pilot guy and the airplane geeks. I'd say Uncle Ralph was a Marine, meaning the United States Marine Corps, but that would be a lie. Phrased that way would be in past tense. You see, once a Marine, always a Marine. Uncle Ralph has gone for too many years now, but he's still a Marine. Uncle Ralph met Aunt Jerry when he was 15 years old. She was 13 and a half. We're still not 100% sure, but we think my great aunt Molly, my grandmother's sister, set them up. Story goes that she knew Uncle Ralph from the luncheonette she owned on Long Island in New York and knew he was, and I quote, a good kid. He was sitting in a booth at the luncheonette one day when Aunt Jerry was there and great aunt Molly said, who wants to walk my beautiful niece to the mailbox so she can mail this letter for me? Uncle Ralph jumped over two of his friends sitting beside him in the booth so he could be the first one at Aunt Jerry's side. The only thing that separated them after that was his passing. And even now, it's not much of a separation. They're still in love. Before marrying Aunt Jerry in 1959, Uncle Ralph served as a Marine post-World War II and was stationed in the Mediterranean aboard the aircraft carriers USS Carl C. and Franklin D. Roosevelt. He was a non-commissioned officer reporting directly to the fleet admiral on the flagship. Based on that assignment, Uncle Ralph picked up a lot of shore duty, where he got to see quite a bit of Italy, France, and Greece. 
There's a long story about how the Admiral's car didn't get barged back to the carrier one time before sailing. And Ralph needed to drive it across the southern end of Europe to meet the carrier in her next port. No one was ever quite sure if the car missing the barge was an accident or not. When Uncle Ralph returned to the USA after his enlistment, he never left again, other than the short trip to Acapulco sometime in the 1960s with his then new bride, my Aunt Jerry. That was also the last time he ever flew. Uncle Ralph developed a fear of flying, and no, not the Erica John version, but a true phobia. Also, after being stationed on aircraft carriers so long and having very good duty, he had no desire to take any kind of cruise. I've had enough of Mediterranean cruises, he would say any time he was asked about it. Ralph had all sorts of pictures of himself during his time in the Mediterranean. I've seen a lot of them, including one taken of him lighting a cigarette from Mount Vesuvius. No, I didn't say on Mount Vesuvius. I said from Mount Vesuvius. He would tell stories about his time in the Mediterranean, but didn't want to go back, something his wife, my Aunt Jerry, always wanted to do. Uncle Ralph's been gone for over four years now, and this past spring, Aunt Jerry decided she was going to do it. She had heard Uncle Ralph tell all these great stories for all those years, and she decided she wanted to finally see what he saw. She was almost 81 years old when she decided to go on her own cruise around Italy, one that would be slightly more luxurious than those Uncle Ralph took while enlisted. I was so proud of her when she decided to finally go, and I was incredibly happy for her. Happy, yes, I'm sure you can understand, but proud? Maybe I had better explain. You see, Aunt Jerry is really not a great traveler. I don't think she'd admit this herself, and don't tell her I told you, but traveling really isn't her thing. Kind of makes her a bit nervous at times. But there's more. Aunt Jerry is rather terrified of flying. Oh, she can do it if she has to, and has made short flights from West Palm Beach to Tampa, even to New York. In fact, after my mother, Harriet, died, knowing how much Harriet loved to fly in small planes, Aunt Jerry promised herself she would take her first GA flight and got in the right seat of a 172 with my cousin, her nephew Mitchell, at the controls. She said she was glad she did it, but was sure that my mom, her sister Harriet, was holding her hand from above the whole time as they flew from Lantana up to Jupiter Inlet and back. But driving to Miami to fly to Milan to change planes to fly to Venice well, let me tell you, convincing Aunt Jerry just to make the ride from her home 40 miles north of Miami to the airport was not simple. And that was the easy part. The rest of the trip had Aunt Jerry a bit, well, concerned to say the least. Now, you need to know, I didn't make any of Aunt Jerry's travel arrangements. They were all done by a travel agent. So what's a loving nephew to do? Get in touch with his Avgeek podcast family, of course. It turned out that although Aunt Jerry thought she was booked on Alitalia, she was actually flying Acme. This gave me an advantage. I got in touch with Dispatcher Mike, who happened to be working the night that Aunt Jerry flew out. He kept an eye on everything and made sure she was on track. He didn't have to do anything, but I know if something were to go wrong, Aunt Jerry would have been taken care of. There's more, though. Weeks before Aunt Jerry's trip, I was in touch with wonderful Jenny in Rome. You see, the cruise ended in Rome, and Aunt Jerry was going to stay there a couple of days afterward. Jenny was wonderful. She said to me, here's my phone number. I'll be in town. Anything she needs, have her call me. Or you call me. I'll take care of it. So my family came through for me once again. My Avgeek podcast family. That's what we do for each other. When First Officer Craig got delayed here in Portland, he let me know, and I brought him a lobster roll. 
We hung out together so we didn't have to kill time alone. In fact, we took advantage of him being in uniform and sat in the local FBO lounge where we could quietly relax and watch airplanes and visit. It was just a couple of months ago that Stephen Ivey was assigned to some last-minute survey flying here in Portland. He couldn't get a hold of me, but did manage to find Jen Niffer at a medium-sized Midwestern airport who messaged me to let me know he was trying to find me. I remember texting him as I was coming out of a doctor's appointment and while he was in the air. We managed to get together for dinner and meet up twice during his tour here. But that's what family is all about. And it doesn't matter if it's hemoglobin or Avgas, it's still blood. At this point in my life, not much of my hemoglobin family is left. But I'm pleased to say that I have a lot of Jet A family, and they're A number one in my book. Thanks for being there. And let's all of us make sure to wish a big happy birthday to my Jet A nephew, Carlos. For PTUK here in Portland, Maine. This is your main man, Micah. Oh, how are you doing this, Nev? I don't like his take. I've got officially lost control. Actually, uh, he mentioned Stephen Ivey there very briefly. I don't know if I'm allowed to say too much at the moment because I don't know how uh, public it is yet. But I just want to say to Stephen Ivey, actually, from all of us here, actually, congratulations. Uh, I'm sure uh, more details will be available shortly. But, yeah, congratulations on his recent. So, so thank you for that, Micah. <laughs> you, you sly old fox, you. Uh, not so much the old. Be nice. Uh, so, he's, <laughs> Never he's mind. Awesome. Sly old Micah, sly old Nev, Nev over it. Yeah, Nev. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't in the show notes, was it? No. no. Yeah, that wasn't in the show notes. <laughs> He's going to be in a hump now for the rest of the day. You realise that, don't you? Oh dear. <laughs> no, honestly, that was that was awesome, Micah. He's yeah, so good. Absolutely. I'm He's a bit so scared good. now. What else? What, what, what? <laughs> I can't help but feel this isn't over yet. Uh, anyway. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, we'll move on to the next story. <laughs> yeah, so, um, and chat room's going nuts, by the way. Next. Everybody's wishing you a uh, happy birthday, Thanks, everyone. by the way. Woo. Yeah, absolutely. You've got, uh, where are we? we so we've Daily got uh, Richard Post. King, busy saying happy birthday. Neil Lamborn says, yes, happy birthday, Carlos, uh, or Stolat, as we say in Poland. Uh, Poland? Poland. Uh, one of the pre, Dom, one of the pre-buy guys, Sebastian, Dom. says, "Enjoy, Carlos. Happy birthday." Barbara <laughs> Parrish says, "Happy birthday, Carlos." Um, and uh, uh. yes, and then Nev started freaking me out. Uh, so that's all. <laughs> just, just, just uh, I don't, he, I, I've officially lost control. Everyone, this is great. Uh, oh, Doctor Steph. I know. Chat Steph. Says happy birthday. Oh, well. thank you. Anyway, yes, <laughs> on to the next story. So this is on the Daily Post. We are doing an aviation show, right? No, just it's my okay. birthday show. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> oh. uh, so the Daily Post is the. Uh, uh, newspaper that or, or article that we're reading it from and the headline is Air China takes its first Airbus UK A350-900 so the aircraft will initially operate um, on the airline's domestic routes followed by flights to international destinations so Air China has taken delivery of its first Airbus UK A350-900 so the national flag carrier is the first Chinese mainland customer to order and take ownership of the world's newest twin engine wide body aircraft powered by Rolls-Royce Trent XWB engines Air China's A350-900 aircraft features a comfortable three class cabin layout of 312 seats 32 business 24 premium economy and 256 economy the airline will initially operate the new aircraft on its domestic routes followed by flights to international destinations airbus uk's broughton plant broughton sorry airbus broughton plant uh, manufactures the wings for the aerogiant's aircraft as of july 2018 air china operates a fleet of 201 aircraft including 142 a320 family aircraft and 59 a330 family aircraft 
An Airbus UK spokesman said bringing new levels of efficiency and comfort to the long-range market, the A350 family is particularly well suited to the needs of Asia-Pacific Airlines. To date, the A350 family firm orders from carriers in the region represent over a third of total sales for the type. Uh, up to the end of July 2018, Airbus has recorded a total of 890 firm orders for the A350XWB from 46 customers worldwide, already making it one of the most successful wide-body aircraft ever. Uh, they've done well with this this uh, yeah, 350. Yeah. Obviously, we saw the Dash 1000 at oh, did we? Uh, Farnborough, the, the oh, biggest, yes, of course we did, the big daddy, display, the big daddy yeah, of this yeah, one. This is slightly smaller than 900, mm. but uh, this is becoming everly increasingly popular mm. with airlines now. And um, I think this is going to be on my to-do list for uh, for next year as to when mm. we... Where if we go long haul somewhere, mm. I shall be searching out to try and get the 350 flight somewhere. Yeah. Nev, are you going to yeah, try one of these out soon? Yeah, look forward to that. I can't find a um, destination that I, I will be going to. That <laughs> appeals, I'm sure, yeah. I, I'm sure I can find one somewhere. Find somewhere. Mm. So up next then, uh, Nev, it's uh, one for you. Yes, a qu quite a spectacular. I don't know if you've seen this on the television at all, but mm. um, it's on the uh, bizjournals.com website, and it's about the firefighting uh, 747 uh, that can drop nearly 20,000 gallons of water uh, or fire suppressing chemicals uh, and it's fighting the wildfires in California at the moment. Uh, based in Colorado Springs, the global super tanker is a Boeing 747-400, dubbed the Spirit of John Muir. It's equipped with tanks and sprayers for dropping water and fire retardant gels, foams and liquids to douse fires and coat trees, brush and homes to prevent fires from advancing. The 747 was certified for firefighting flights by the FAA in September 2016 and fought fires in Chile and Israel before being contracted by US officials to fight California wildfires in 2017. Global Supertanker Services says that the aircraft saved Chilean firefighters from an advancing blaze and set a world record for liquid dropped by an aerial tanker in a single day, dropping 134,400 gallons in seven flights. The global supertanker Boeing 747 has almost twice the capacity of the next largest aerial tanker and can adjust the rate of spray from its tanks to fit different firefighting needs. The jumbo jet has a cruising speed of nearly 600 miles an hour, putting it anywhere within North America in five hours and anywhere on the planet within 20 hours, uh, including fuel stops if needed. The 747 also has 14 first-class seats and two bunks for support staff and additional flight crew. The jet is now fighting the holy fire in California's Cleveland National Forest. And the jet can also be used for fire uh, for fighting marine fires, such as oil tankers, ships, or offshore drilling rigs. And it's certified by the U.S. Department of Agriculture for oil spill dispersal, and may one day be used for aerial reseeding of terrain uh, devastated by wildfires. So it's a uh, you know a fascinating um, series of pictures on this as well, and um, it's amazing that the capacity that this this thing can take, and ju just seeing some of the. Uh, uh, stuff on television uh, this this yeah. week when they were using it. it was it's been stunning, isn't incredible it? Incredible to see, wasn't it? 
Yeah, although a small part of me rather enjoys the fact that it had 14 first-class seats available. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd imagine they're on the upper deck. I'd have right, this. okay. Yeah. 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 But, sort of um, away from the water tanks, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're also, this company as well, are also uh, Coulson Aviation. They're converting uh, an old Southwest Airlines Boeing 737 as well to uh, to do firefighting, which is quite uh, quite interesting. Mm. It's also part of the story as well further on but uh, no it's, it's good the, the pictures are on there are awesome seeing uh, what this can do it'd be yeah. interesting to know actually Nev how long it takes to fill this up yeah you know, uh, a while with, I with bet. the uh, fluid and also what happens to the centre of gravity and the performance of the aircraft when you dump all, all this fluid I mean, yeah it must, <laughs> it must really change the characteristics of the aircraft and obviously they've worked all that out but I'd be interested to find out how that all works that, as you say that must have a massive impact uh, on, on the way that the pilot is operating the plane as it's jettisoning its load I feel I mean, an email's needed there Okay, mm. to All Coulson, right. yeah. Right, okay, good luck. Put that on my list of yeah. to-do this week. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> so uh, the next story is uh, on the bizjournals.com website, and uh, this is about an, a certain aircraft, Nev, that I think you may have seen a few weeks back. Uh, this uh, The headline is, Old Airbus A380 fills in for Boeing 787 Dreamline, as I can hear Nick uh, oh. already saying something, <laughs> grounded with engine woes. So a second-hand A380 is filling in for grounded Boeing Dreamliners. Boeing customer Norwegian Air Shuttle leased the 12-year-old A380 for several weeks into late August. The four-engine Superjumbo flew originally for Singapore Airlines uh, for nearly a decade before flying Norwegian flights between London and New York. So the Norwegian jet... Um, Needed after uh, several of the ultra-low-cost carriers, Boeing 787s were grounded due to ongoing troubles with their Rolls-Royce Trent 1000 engines that triggered mandatory inspections and maintenance. So the Norwegian leased the uh, plane from Portuguese airline Highfly, which provides a full package uh, of aircraft, flight crew, flight insurance and maintenance staff to all airlines under wet leases. So uh, Airbus and Highfly rolled out the repainted A380 at Farnborough, as we saw a few weeks back, and Highfly CEO Paul Mpuri wants uh, to add even more used A380s to his fleet. He said that we do believe in the second life of the A380, he told uh, Bloomberg, if you expect 25 years of operation, this aircraft has passed just over one-third of its commercial life. The same A380 jet served as a temporary replacement as well for aircraft for Thomas Cook Group, which used the double-decker to manage its own airplane shortage, flying summer vacationers between Copenhagen and Cyprus and Oslo and Mallorca. Uh, the, oh, hello. We've got some music playing. Thanks for that, Matt. That Sorry about that. Birthday that, that, music. That would be me preparing my next story. From <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sorry, that would be my laptop getting. A, I was I was trying to be clever and get ready for the next story. So there we are. That went well, didn't it? That's the only trouble when you're using the machine that, that goes out on the playout system. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> So in uh, June, I don't think anyone noticed. In, I don't, I don't, I don't noticed. think so. I won't bother to edit that out. It'll be fine. Uh, in June, a German <laughs> investment company said it would strip two retired Singapore Airlines A380 jets for parts after the airline decided refurbishing their cabins would cost too much. Despite winning a few new orders and undergoing a production cut last year, Airbus argues that the 380 is an essential part of the solution to sustain air traffic growth, uh, alleviating congestion at busy airports by transporting more passengers with fewer flights. The A380 can carry 
carry 575 or 800 passengers if it's really crammed, depending on the configurations in its uh, four seating classes, and offers a range of 8,000 nautical miles. So I saw, um, actually saw an, another story that was kind of linked closely to this as well, and uh, it was... Um, it was about Norwegian using this aircraft for these flights that it's using them on. And they were saying that uh, people, because obviously this aircraft has still got the first class suites mm. in that yeah, Singapore yeah. had when they used it. And the story was that um, apparently people who upgraded their tickets with Norwegian to kind of like a premium mm -hmm. uh, seat were being put into the first class uh, oh, suites wow. on the aircraft. <laughs> oh, wow. Which I think, you know, if you think you're probably paying, I don't know, upwards of £10,000 yeah if you were flying first class with singapore uh and the and a premium economy ticket or premium ticket with norwegian is probably hovering around 800 pound mm. or this i'm not 100 yeah. percent sure and you end up in first class. and you end up in first class yeah. you'd be quite that's not to say that you were possibly <laughs> getting the food that you would normally get perhaps you just got a comfortable seat and, and you got an incredibly comfortable seat yeah, yeah. indeed uh, would you mind a bit of this nev <laughs> i'm sure that'd be fine with me perfect okay and it was interesting we were speaking to philomena who's the commercial director of high fly at um farnborough and uh, in fact we were doing an interview with her in mm. a couple of weeks time as well we've got to, that to play out and uh, yeah they're, they're very serious about this this operation these wet leases yeah. to these uh, uh, other um uh, uh, airlines that got um, aircraft on ground problems or engine issues yeah. or, or, or capacity issues. So, uh, yeah, I think they're going to be doing really well. It, I mean, it must be sort of comforting for the airline as well in the fact that if, if, if you can wet lease something, it sort of gets you out of a muddle immediately, doesn't it? You've got, you know, all right, I know it's costing the money, etc., but you can get yourself out of a muddle straight away. It's quite nice, actually, you think this little... St it's quite nice to sort of almost be following the progress of this handover that, we've, that I felt very privileged to actually witness while we were at Farnborough. It was quite nice to sort mm. of... Uh yeah, because you hadn't made it on the Friday by then, had you? God, you, I was still, you, I was yeah. still driving down. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it, no, it was quite nice to uh, sort of, um, you know, sort of make, be part of the handover process. It's quite, it's quite. Uh, I feel quite smug. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. So, Matt, the next story. Yes, okay. This we, one, <laughs> um, this one just. This has made me laugh when I saw yeah. this. So this is on time.com, the website, and, and the headline is People are understandably distressed about this diabolical airport power outlet prank. <laughs> uh, it's obviously a slow news day. Uh, so basically, uh, anyone who has ever been to an airport knows that finding an open power socket can be one of the most stress-inducing aspects of flying. Really? Uh, so it should come as no surprise that people are freaking out over this power outlet sticker prank. Uh, <laughs> thanks to one beleaguered traveller's commitment to exposing this diabolical trick to the world, a photo of one of our fake sockets has gone viral. Uh, so whoever put this face, fake sticker up uh, of an open outlet at an airport, you are now my enemy for life. One Twitter <laughs> user, Brandon Ewing, captioned a photo set of himself discovering the ruse. Uh, of course, Ewing isn't, uh, hasn't been the only one to fall for this prank. Several others have also recently shared their experiences with fake airport outlets. Uh, why? It looks so real. Put a sticker of an outlet on the wall in the terminal building, questioned another victim. Uh, so... <laughs> 
so triggered, whatever that means. Uh, it's uh, I can sort of see why it's kind of uh, <laughs> there annoying. is a short video actually a bit further down oh, uh, that there? someone's posted. Yeah, of uh, Where are we? Oh, someone. I see. Right. Okay. Hang um, on, but, I'll see if I can get it to. Um, <laughs> when I saw this this story, I just thought it is one of those things. A lot of people nowadays do like to charge their devices at airports, and there are like yeah. charging stations and stuff at most um, big international airports now where yeah. you can charge your phone. But this this idea is such a joke. Honestly, you know this this actually when you look at the pictures it does look <laughs> there we go oh, oh dear they yeah. do look they do look incredibly realistic they do yeah absolutely um, yeah. is honestly nev um <laughs> would this catch you out obviously not with a with a u.s it, it, pin it's but... so childish <laughs> and yeah, I, I just ordered 500 of these right <laughs> To play strategically around, absolutely. Yeah. Do they you do UK version? Do they you do UK version ones? Nev, I think I quite like to sort I'm of. Sure, yeah. yeah. I'd love. To, I tell you what, I'd love to get yeah. a handful of these and 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 stick these on on board aircraft in various places just to see people oh, trying to force know. force USB. Well, yeah, I don't know if I want them to do it on aircraft <laughs> in case they manage to push it through the the. You know, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> oh, but it's just it's just a little funny story. I just thought I saw this and it just yeah. one of the pictures even shows one of these stickers being put on the floor yes i yes. mean <laughs> oh yeah but you say that but there are stickers there are sockets in the floor i know you know, I know. So, no. and oh. in some countries they don't put, bother to put covers on them either so anyway yeah that's not yeah. very nice yes that's a very uh, evil story moving on so moving on <laughs> and uh nev next stories for you we have been talking about these uh, ultra long haul flight services over the last few months. Mm. Well, here's another one. And uh, this is from the dailymail.co.uk. And uh, it's all about Singapore Airlines, who are going to relaunch the world's longest commercial flight in October, which is a journey of nearly 19 hours from New Jersey. The daily nonstop journey from Changi to Newark Airport will cover about 10,300 miles and take about 18 hours 45 minutes. Due to rising fuel prices, the airline had to cut the route in 2013, but starting on October the 12th, the company will relaunch the flight in response to high customer demand for the journey. Uh, Lee Seeking, the uh, regional vice president for the Americas at Singapore Airlines, told Yahoo Finance that the company had gotten a lot of feedback from our customers. They really like the flight because it saves them a lot of time when they're traveling from the US to Singapore. We have all, uh, we've been looking for a solution uh, like this all the while. And when Airbus came up with the A350, Lee said, this was the answer. Uh, they're very excited about being able to bring back these nonstop flights. It's been five years in the making. The current record holder is Qatar Airways flight 921 from Auckland to Doha, which takes 17 hours and 40 minutes. The Singapore Airlines flight will use the ultra-long range uh, Airbus A350-900 ULR, uh, which will be configured to carry 161 passengers, 67 in business class and 94 in premium economy. The airline, which was recently ranked as the top airline in the world, had flown a similar route from 2004 until 2013, but cancelled it as it fell short of revenue expectations. However, its latest decision comes as carriers look for new sources of revenue in a competitive environment, whilst long-haul flights often make more cash than those requiring stops. There are also plans for a non-stop route from Singapore to Los Angeles using the same plane, the airline said. The new route comes as the city's state's flag carrier faces tough challenges. Last year it consolidated its low-cost units Tiger Air and Scoot into a single entity, uh, entity and in a streamlining exercise. 
And this month, it said it will absorb its struggling uh, premium regional region, uh, Silcare, into broader groups uh, following multi-million dollar upgrades as part of reforms to stay competitive. So it's interesting, isn't it, that they're trying to look at uh, new ways uh, or new offers for uh, customers and ultra long haul. Um, now they can actually make it work. Uh, with the fuel reserves they need on this sort of aircraft, um, they they think they can get more revenue uh, out of it. So it'll be interesting to see, won't it? I'm surprised they sort of can. You you thought they'd have been fairly popular from the outset. Do you know what I mean? I'm sort of surprised they. I love long. They ones. cut the longer the better. <laughs> right. Okay. Glenn, yeah. Glenn actually, Glenn Tyler's said in the chat room that 19 and a half hours is way too long for him. Uh, 14 is uh, plenty long enough. Which uh, I've done. I've done a 14 hour long uh, journey. So um, yeah, I, I I didn't mind that. But uh, Liz, uh, Auntie Liz has said that uh, she's not sure that she'd be able to do a 14-hour stint on uh, an aircraft. but Let alone 19. Or yeah. 19. But I do believe that we'd all be in agreement that if you are flying in a first-class suite with, mm. say, uh, let's say, the, I don't know, Etihad, yeah. uh, in the residence suite and uh, for a flight that long, you'd probably not be that annoyed. Okay, with a double bed, okay, a shower, so bearing in, a, a all right, we'll, we'll take that into consideration. Nev, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw throw this to you you then. If you're gonna if you're gonna do uh, one of those flights as as Carlos is describing that, I wonder how much a 19 hour flight in an M <laughs> in said Etihad, Etihad suite yeah. might actually cost. It's, it's not cheap. <laughs> I'm guessing that it's got to be what. It's £15,000. It's going to be silly money, isn't Sterling it? Absolutely. I mean, do Etihad do yeah. anything sort of along along those lines? Yeah, Etihad have got the residence suite, which is obviously... No, no I mean... I mean, oh, wait, 19. I, I yeah, don't, I don't, I don't think flight. so. I mean, Etihad obviously fly to the UK, which is uh, sort of nine and a half, ten hour yeah. flight. But, um, I mean, if you're flying in, in luxury, like I said, yeah, yeah, with Singapore, do the double yeah. bed thing where they have double beds. Yeah. You know, if you're flying for a flight that long and you've got the ability to have an actual sleep on an mm. actual bed yeah. with actual pillows and yes, duvet yes. you might um, actually feel you yeah. just kind of feel especially because of these these suites are enclosed with doors right. that shut so okay. you're not open privacy. to everyone else yeah. so privacy's there as well which makes a hell of a difference to when you're flying as well so I think you know if you're given that opportunity to do a massive long haul flight like that mm. and you're in first class yeah, happy you could days. probably handle it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. As long as they kept the champagne flowing, hey, it'll be fine. Oh yes. <laughs> so if you're listening, uh, Eddie Howe would love to try out the residence suite. Just right. give us a shout. Okay. Um, yeah, good podcast at PlaneTalkingUK.com. <laughs> uh, and the next story is uh, on the Flight Global's website, and uh, this uh, headline is First Primera A321 Neo involved in Toronto fuel incident. So Scandinavian uh, carrier Primera Air's first A321neo has been involved in a fuel emergency incident following a transatlantic service to Toronto. The aircraft have been operating flight PF45 from London Stansted here in the UK Ooh. on the 24th of July. The Transportation Safety Board of Canada states in a bulletin that during the descent the crew declared a fuel emergency and were given priority for a runway 23 approach. Shortly before 9pm as the aircraft descended through 8,000 feet the crew were asked by approach controllers as the to the quantity of fuel on board. The crew replied that the jet had 2.3 tonnes and would have 2.1 tonnes left on arrival and also confirmed the 204 occupants on board the flight uh, with no dangerous cargoes either. Controllers cleared the aircraft for an RLS approach on runway 23 in the Transportation Safety Board states that the aircraft landed without incident at 21.10. 
Primera Air took delivery of the CFM International Leap 1A powered aircraft, uh, Oscar Yankee Papa Alpha Alpha, its first A321neo in April this year, uh, part of a strategy by the operator to open new transatlantic routes from the UK and France. It disclosed last year that it would be operating uh, from London uh, to Paris and or operating from London and Paris and Birmingham to New York and Boston with its A321 Neo fleet. Sorry, I had a touch of the Dana there. <laughs> and subsequently stated that it would include Toronto in the new transatlantic network. Now, these, uh, the Neos, the new engine option, A321, obviously these are um, designed so they can do the, the transatlantic mm. hop and to have a fuel emergency. Um, I'm, I'm sort of guessing here they might have had a, a slight uh, headwind, Nev. Yeah, I think also sometimes when you get unfavourable winds or unforecast unfavourable winds, yeah. you've always got to keep a lookout for it. But um, I think that uh, because they ha they if they get to a certain point, they have to declare an emergency anyway, uh, even though the aircraft probably is going to land okay. But of yeah. course, if it had to go around or it was held up on the way in, that could be That'd a, be a different a serious story. problem. Actually, Auntie Liz yeah. has just said in the chat room, because she's just a wealth of knowledge. Of course. Uh, runway 23 is the longest runway at okay. Toronto. So there we go. Right. As I say, I think as Nev's as Nev saying, though, I think that's that's why you say you. There's probably enough fuel on board, but as you say, I think it's more a warning to the Ooh. tower. We don't have time to go round, basically. And Armando yeah. Uh, yeah. in the chat room. Hello, Armando. He's said that uh, he's been looking at using Primera from Stansted to Washington D.C. So okay. he might uh, he, he might, might have a, a passenger yeah, experience, a passenger experience us, yes, segment indeed. now. Excellent. <laughs> so moving on, the next story, uh, yeah. Matt. This one is a bit of a tech kind of uh, yeah. whiz, whizzy Slightly kind of So thing. it's on the yeah. Aviation Week Network, mm. and the headline is Virtual Reality Informs Passengers Booking Airliner Seats. Mm. So airlines are starting to use three-dimensional technology to provide customers with a detailed, immersive view of their aircraft interiors during the booking process. By allowing passengers to virtually experience the cabin before selecting their seats, the hope is that their expectations will be more accurately met. Also, by showcasing premium products products in this way, there is a possibility that customers will be tempted to upgrade. So Emirates announced in July that it introduced a 3D seat model uh, to its online reservation system and says that the first uh, that it is the first airline to use virtu web virtual reality on its digital platform. Alex Nish, who is the Senior Vice President of Digital at Emirates, said that the carrier had been looking for this for about 12 months, but it, uh, but it wasn't easy to find a vendor that fulfilled our requirements. The Dubai-based airline sought more than an app-only product. It wanted something that could be embedded into its website and assess, accessed on desktops and mobile devices with or without the use of VR goggles. So Emirates uh, opted for Spanish technology company uh, uh, Renacan, is it? Renacan? Uh, 3D seat map VR product, which uh, provides a 3D, 360 degree view of all aspects of the carrier's cabins, including the onboard lounge and shower spa on its Airbus A380s. While the experience is viewed through is uh, while the experience is viewed through VR goggles is more immersive, says Niche. The other devices um, also provide a more detailed look inside the cabin uh, than has been avail available previously. From the very 
very beginning, we wanted to reach as many customers as possible. Therefore, our product can be used on personal computers, tablets, and smartphones. Uh, in the case of personal computers, for example, we can use our mouse to interact with the 3D view. If the computer has a touch screen, or if we use a tablet or smartphone, we can directly interact with our fingers with the immersive view. For those who are looking for maximum inversion, immersion, sorry, the VR view allows the camera to respond to the movements of our head, obtaining a much greater immersion sensation, which really does make us feel as though we're inside the aeroplane. Martin describes the project as the logical evolution of seat maps and believes it will provide uh, it'll prove popular with airlines as they continue, continue to invest more in the interiors as a means of competing with rivals. Airlines and their suppliers have been searching for years for the most efficient way to showcase more information about their cabin interior products and there is no better combination than an immersive experience during the booking process. We are convinced that one day 3D seat maps will be the industry standard they say. I mean there's more to this article but you basically get the gist. It's um <laughs> what's the matter with you? I'm just reading the chat room comments. Oh Neil Neil Lan <laughs> Neil Lanwarn. Oh dear Neil. Yes. Neil has said virtual crying babies going out the window. Oh that'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's an unusual approach. Uh. Uh, anyway, going back to the story. Uh, this um uh, there's, there's been a kind of bits and pieces like this you can find mm -hmm. online and stuff for a little while but this i think it's a good idea with airlines and stuff if you if you wanted to see what uh, the cabin layout and how the um, stuff will look like before you go on board the aircraft because you can do that thing on your phone can't you where you can have like a 3d yeah, 360 sort of degree do yeah um, i don't know stuff. i don't know if it will <laughs> i mean saying that it might tempt someone to buy a Buy the seat, you a know, premium the, first, a premium yeah. or, or first. Or but then you think, well, if you'd had the money, you would probably be th making that decision uh, based on on your bank balance rather than what was, you know, than it's actual. I mean, a first class seat is a first class seat, isn't it? I mean, mm, I, yeah. I, I suppose some are better than others. Have, have you ever done first class, Nev? No, I haven't. Um, I've never had the cash to do it. No, no, um, indeed. And. Um, yeah, it, it's just so expensive, isn't it? So, it is. um, no, the, I've, I've done business class a few times uh, on the long haul sectors, but nothing, mm. uh, nothing better than that, unfortunately. Yeah, so. but I mean, presumably your decision wouldn't be based on on, VR, on goggles. The v, the VR goggles and what it looked like in your headset. <laughs> I mean, you know, and I love a gimmick. Don't get me wrong. I think it's, I suppose, I suppose it, uh, it's much more useful to those of us perhaps who are travelling in economy because you can have a look and see realistically where you are in the plane and how that. F Mm. fits with how you feel about flying maybe. I suppose if, I if, you, if you can't afford business or first such as us here Mere um, mortals, and you yes. wanted to have a go at business and first class you could put the VR goggles on and yeah. imagine that you're in business or first class I mean I have done I, I have been lucky enough to do business class once once mm. literally once uh, and uh, it was amazing it was right as I say it was rather nice to be sat there supping champagne whilst the cattle were being loaded in the rear uh, it was all very civilised yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the next story is uh, this one is on the Daily Saba for you, uh, Nev. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, it's in the business <laughs> section, and um, the it's all about Turkish Airlines are going to make their first passenger flight from the new airport in Istanbul Ooh, on cool. October the thirty first. Uh, heavily engaged in preparations for the massive transport of its facilities and equipment, Turkey's national flag carrier, Turkish Airlines, is counting down the days for the opening of Istanbul's new airport and the first day of operations. The airliner will make the f 
first flight from the new airport due to open on the 95th anniversary of the Republic of Turkey on October the 29th to the capital Ankara on October the 31st at 2 p.m. Uh, the chairman uh, of uh, Turkish Airlines said, we're preparing for the world's most expansive transport, the largest moving process to Istanbul's new airport. Solely for um, Turkish, 5,000 trucks will be deployed in the transfer of all equipment and facilities. Wow. The airliner to the new airport, which will last 45 hours under the coordination <sighs> of the general directorate of the state's airport authority. And following the massive migration, Turkish will carry out its first flight to the capital city Ankara where Turkish Republic was founded at 2 p.m. The first overseas flights will be made to the Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus and Azerbaijan, he noted, uh, referring to previous statements. Giving details on the aspects of the new airport, the Turkish chairman said that it's located in an area of 76.5 million square meters. Uh, the new airport is twice the size of the Kanal uh, Kale uh, uh, province Boschada uh, and uh, the utilisation area of the terminal is 1.4 million square metres. The airport will also have the world's largest duty-free with a size of 35,000 square metres. And the Turkish chairman said that the airline's lounges in the airport will cover an area of over 16,000 square metres. And Turkish will have 43 boarding bridges at the new airport, which will have a total of 143 boarding bridges. Uh, the story does go on in some detail, but uh, this is an absolutely massive uh, logistics mm. effort uh, to, to move the whole thing to uh, to the new airport. So, and, uh, and a massive yeah. airport, of course, as Carlos yeah. was just showing me yeah. some picture while you were reading that. I mean, it's a, Such it's a, a massive airport. operation, isn't it? Yeah, it Did it say 45 trucks? I mean, that's, that's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, that is good. Like, but then I suppose, you know, the best way to do it is quick and just get everything over there, isn't it? You know, regardless of how yeah. much, if you're moving yeah. home, I suppose, it's just... You know, just us mere mortals can get it in a van. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's just a massive, massive mm. uh, undertaking. There's actually a picture if you go take yourselves on to um, to Google. If you get on to, oh, actually, Wikipedia's got a, a good mm. aerial photo of the airport under construction, and it's it's huge. I mean, the longest runway that they've got there, uh, sixteen left, three four right, is uh, twelve thousand three hundred and three feet. Wow, uh, long that uh, runway, but it's uh, yeah, it's be interesting to see. I mean, I've never been to Turkey yeah. before, but. Uh, yeah, it is a busy destination to go to anyway. Yeah, okay. So uh, we have got one last uh, story for you this week, and uh, it's a top ten. We haven't had one for a while. <laughs> uh, this is a, a new top ten that came out uh, this week, and this one is on the uk.businessinsider.com. Mm -hmm. And uh, the headline for this top ten is the, the ranked the ten best airlines in Europe. So, uh, consumer aviation website Skytrax recently released the rankings of the best airlines in the world, which I think we covered a few weeks ago. Mm. Uh, so, they've uh, re released the rankings of uh, obviously the the best um, uh, airlines. Indeed, should in we, should we get, so should we get in straight Europe. in straight into the top ten? Here we go. So, Nev, I think you should take number 10. <laughs> yes, of course, it's British Airways, and uh, it's the largest airline in the UK by fleet size and was formed in 1974 following the merger of BEA and BOAC. 
In at number nine. At number nine, it's uh, the lovely, gorgeous red air airline. It's uh, Virgin Atlantic. <laughs> and uh, it's Virgin Atlantic is the crown jewel of Sir Richard Branson's holdings. Uh, however, with a 49% stake in the airline, Delta is actually Virgin Atlantic's largest single shareholder. Yeah. Uh, from purple mood lighting all the way to the stylish crew uniforms, Virgin Atlantic's the one to go for. In at number eight. It's Finnair, and the national airline moved down two spots this year to finish as the 27th best airline in the world. Fortunately, the Helsinki-based carrier was once again named best airline in Northern Europe by Skytrax. Finnair operates an all-Airbus mainline fleet, while its regional operations feature aircraft from Bombardier and Embraer. Bombardier. You made, you made a map faux pas there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, in at number seven. Number seven, it's Air France. Uh, and even though Air France's resurgence took a slight step backward this year, the airline's service and quality remains top-notch. Over the past couple of years, the carrier suffered through a series of labour and financial issues. However, it hasn't stopped Air France from rolling out an impressive lineup of new product offerings, including the impressive La Première first-class suites. In at number six, please. Number six is Aeroflot, and whilst their image is in the West, maybe that of grizzled pilots <laughs> wrangling old Soviet, Soviet machinery through the treacherous Russian winter. In reality, things are very different. These days, New Aeroflot uh, operates a fleet of new Airbus and Boeing jets. And for 2018, uh, Aeroflot also won the Skytrax Award for the best airline in Eastern Europe and best premium economy class on board catering in the world. <gasps> In at number five. Number five, it's KLM Royal Dutch Airlines. Uh, so Royal Dutch KLM is considered the oldest continuously operating airline in the world. Based out of Amsterdam, Amsterdam's Schiphol Airport, KLM Schiphol. is famous for its bright blue livery and Dutch house liquor bottle figurines. Oh dear. The airline <laughs> is one half of the Franco-Dutch conglomerate Air France KLM. Very good. In for... It's Turkish Airlines. We were just talking about them, weren't we? Yeah. And, uh, it's the flag carrier of Turkey, and it's got its main hub uh, currently at Ist uh, Istanbul's Atatürk Airport. The airline, which is with its ability to fly to over 100 countries and over 200 cities worldwide, hopes to turn its home base into a global transit hub. In three. At number three, it's Austrian Airlines. So in both 2017 and 2018, a Lufthansa-owned carrier took home the prize for best airline staff service in Europe. Oh. The Air Austrian flag carrier also boasts a fleet of newly renovated long-haul Boeing 767-300ERs and 777-200 jets flying out of its base in Vienna. In two. It's Swiss International Airlines, and they emerged in 2002 from the remnants of the now-defunct Swissair and is now a member of the Lufthansa corporate family. In 2016, the Basel-based carrier became the first in the world to operate the next-generation Bombardier C-Series airliner. It's a brand spanking new number one entry. It's number one. Number one, it's Lufthansa. So Europe's largest airline has surged into the top ten over the past couple of years. Customers have praised Lufthansa for its exceptional service and overall product quality. For the most part, Lufthansa's long-haul service is good, but for its best results, it would be wise to aim for the fleet of newer A380 Super Jumbos and the 747-8 Intercontinental Jumbo Jets. In addition to a top ten finish, the German national airline also took home the prize for best business class in Europe and best cabin crew in Germany.
Oh, that was oh. Tommy, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, very good. Oh, well well done. done. Yes, absolutely. Yes, and yes, in answer to your question, Tony, yes, I would very much like to be in the running for a Bullseye remake. But anyway, there we go. <laughs> so that is where we bring the commercial news segment to a close this week. And uh, Nev, we're uh, going to hand things over to you. Yes, you'll be uh, pleased to know we've got some more Farnborough content to show this week. And um, yeah, we've got, um, we did lots of interviews, lots of different people, but somebody that we hadn't spoken to before, because it was only his second visit to the UK, was uh, the lovely Dana Colton from the Airline Pilot Guy show. And uh, he uh, caught up with Matt at Farnborough, and we're going to play the interview now. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce another APG legend uh, into the fold, if you will. And it, it's so lovely to yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's so lovely it's to find me in in the actual flesh. Dana, welcome to England. Great to be here, man. How are you? Oh, living the dream, living the dream. So, is this the first time that you've been to an air show here in the UK? Absolutely, first time. Yeah, it's okay. fantastic. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Good, great people. Yeah, absolutely. A anything here that you've that sort of caught your eye? Have you been? Is this your first day here, or have you been here? No, we came here Thursday on the uh, pre-show with no uh, public people so yes, yes that was uh, nice wasn't yeah, it? it was great i got <laughs> i got my first experience yeah i was diversionized right <laughs> no no offense to to captain Nick, yeah yeah but uh, talking about virgin but i was on my first triple seven i've ever stepped foot on yeah uh, cutter or Qatar, however you want to say it yeah. i got to uh, do a tour i was highly disappointed with one thing though and that was that I didn't get to see the flight deck. I oh. got to see the business class seats, coach class seats, the cab, the la even saw the lavatories. Yeah. But they had the cabin, the, the door shut to the flight Aww. deck. So, but that yeah, that was my first experience stepping on that aircraft. See, and, that, was, and that's the thing with the pilot, of course. You, you, you're less interested in all the cabin side yeah. of things. It's yeah. all about the business end. Isn't it's it? you it's want all to, you about want the business. Yeah. I, I want yeah. to see. I want to see the baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in in reality, I've been in the simulator. Way, you know, back in in, in America yeah. uh, before. So I've seen it, but it's been so long. I forget what the flight deck looks like. So, is there um, is there anything that really sort of stands out uh, from the show that you've seen here? Uh, yeah. Great people. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking more aircraft. Uh, <laughs> Actually, the thing that did stand out is that they had the A220, which is the yes. C series, um, and I really wanted to get onto that aircraft. And I look behind me, and I'm sad to see it is it is yeah, gone. So uh, that's because uh, Acme uh, has acquired a, a bunch of them. Okay. And I'm looking to make my decision whether I'm going to what I'm going to fly in the future because really? my mad dog is going away and yeah. actually last night we had an advanced entitlement that was uh, uh, came out and I was very happy to learn that I'm going to still be a captain. Wow. Yeah, I'm not kicked off the bottom yet. <laughs> 58 positions down but that's okay. It's, yeah. it's a good thing. So that's what I was really hoping to do is, is get on the, I keep on looking behind because I'm missing it. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. hoping really to look at, at the 320, get inside, take a look at the flight deck, yeah. take a look at the configuration of the interior and and uh, get to explore it a little bit but so uh, other than that uh, you know just seeing all these great aircraft all these people with you know when I was up in the media center uh, with Dr. Steph I said to her I said it's just such an amazing thing to see that so many people just regular people out there come out to air shows and enjoying and, and, and aircraft and, and enjoying just, just aircraft yeah, yeah. yeah you know it, most lay people don't understand what we really do for a living and how how it's done but just the the awe of people uh, uh, that they really enjoy just being around this type yeah. of of, yeah. of uh, you know aircraft and, and event and it's the same thing over in the states. I mean yeah. that's what's interesting is that 
uh, when I was here on Thursday, it was all the business end. Today, yeah. you see all the families, the kids, and that's yeah. that's absolutely fantastic because these are all these kids. As we hear one, you know, going yeah. by, you know, kind of crying. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're the generate, you know, the generation that we're going to need to rely upon. Yeah because we have this huge shortage coming. So it's really nice to see all this. Uh, one of the things I, I remember from like air shows when I was younger, actually, and it is, as you say, it, it's it's the look on the little kids' faces, isn't it? Where they're literally wide-eyed and just loving, like, you know, all the transport in general. Is I mean, it's buses and everything, isn't it? But uh, I mean, especially when you look behind us, obviously we've got the A380 behind us. And I'd never actually seen one for real, really, until we get hit, came here uh, today. Because although we saw one a couple of years ago, it was actually up in the air. Uh, we didn't get close action. And it, such a beast. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can never get my head around how these things get in the air. It's it's just the logistics are mind blowing. It, it, it is an absolute amazing feat. I mean, if you think about it, in, in 100 and 100 years, a little over 100 years now that we've been in flight, yeah, uh, where we've come from flying the super ultra light made out of fabric and, and wood to you know these super you know, incredible one one. 100 ton or whatever, I don't even know the numbers on no. it, but it's, maybe it's 1 billion pounds, I, yeah. I have no idea, it's somewhere around there, yeah. such a massive aircraft, get mm. that into the sky, it's, mm. it's a major feat of engineering, Absolutely. certainly yeah. a great thing to be a part of, and, and I've got to you know, tell you, uh, just looking at this 380, what I love about the three, this 380 in particular the most, is most of you, uh, well, if you don't listen to you know, our podcast, wouldn't know, but most of you know that I'm a scuba diver as well, oh, and wow. I yeah, love yeah. that not too late for coral reefs on this side yeah. of the aircraft is beautifully painted which you probably don't have the other side on the other side 2050 it says all coral reefs dead so it's yeah. kind of a poignant point. yeah and i think that's an unbelievable advertising i mean yeah. I, i've never been a big airbus guy yeah. but the 380 especially the 380 because i think it's probably one of the ugliest airplanes in the world <laughs> but it's i mean it's a beautiful mural yeah. that advertises something that I think is very close and dear to my heart. Uh, so. quite, quite, a, quite a bold statement, really. Very. You know, when many would argue, perhaps, that the, you know, aviation is partly responsible, for, as, as indeed, uh, you know, shipping and everything, isn't it, to damaging coral reefs and things like that? Yeah, every, everything we do. I mean, yeah. we, we as a human race uh, tend, yeah. to, tend to litter, and, mm. and uh, that, you know, those things end up going out into the yeah. ocean. As I saw when I was at the pub here in England, I, mm. I saw that they had, they don't have, pay, uh, they have don't have plastic straws, I believe. No, no. They have paper straws, yep. which will, are more biodegradable, mm. obviously. Yeah, so. the way, the way um, forward. Yeah, yeah so it's, 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 not, it's what I'm really kind of getting at. It's really nice to see that, you know, so many people here that are here to observe such, yeah. you know, such greatness in aviation. And then right, right here is a mural it to, to really help educate people that the, the you know that the yeah. coral reefs well, let's, are also let's hope this does exactly that let's yeah. hope it's sort of, you know right. programs like blue planet that we get here in the uk that david attenborough has been quite famous for you know yes. it's, it, to, to try and raise awareness basically i'm gonna get myself into trouble right here by mentioning the word food obviously because you're here in the uk how have you found the catering experience <laughs> Oh, I have to say our hosts uh, have been fantastic. The food is just... Uh... All right, so I, I do have to admit one thing. Go on. You, yeah. you got yourself Yeah, that's right. that's right. I do have to admit one thing, is that back in 1987 was my first trip to the UK. Right. I came with a high school tour group. Okay. And the food then was so terrible. Oh. <laughs> it was it was just bland, couldn't mm. find a restaurant that had... And, and back then, my tastes are not were, or were not as refined as yeah. they are now as I'm a grown adult. Mm. But the only place that we could find back then to eat was Kentucky Fried Chicken. Right. right. So that's all <laughs> we 
Nej, det er hårdt en træ. Skal mig bare kære i dig. Ja, det er det. 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 Uh, you know, the liquid diet was fantastic. Yep, that, and, yeah. and most people may or may not know this about me, but I'm not a beer guy. Oh. But so far, the beer here uh, that, you know, I, the, the blondes. Yep. I'm not talking about ladies. I'm talking about blondes. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. Pale ales. Yeah. yeah, pale ales. You know, I had a little bit of fruit, maybe a slice of lime. <laughs> and I've actually been relatively uh, very so happy. Because you're, you're sort of a Scotch guy normally, aren't you? So, I'm, yeah, I'm a vodka bourbon right. Scotch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and anything with an ABV of sort yeah, of 40%. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> Correct, but yeah. I do like you know like Guinness. I do yeah. like the the uh, yeah. once you get into the darker beers, I, I will yeah. drink plenty of iron. That's 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 yeah. what they say about the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So look, now this is the first time that we've got the opportunity to interview you and chat to you. And we always ask all of our pilots one question. So to to finish up, I'm going to ask you one question. Is there, if you take it to the uh, the world of aviation, a plane that's either flying currently or no longer in service, if you could get into the the you know the the first, you know, the, the captain's chair of any aircraft in the world, either flying or retired, what would what aircraft would you most love to have a go at? That's a, that's a very, that's Carlos. A, that's a, Carlos yelled it. He had it, and I actually brought a shirt with me. I'm not wearing it today, but I have two shirts that are very near and dear to my heart. The L-1011 is my the favorite. Oh, no. It's my favorite oh, no. aircraft of all time. <laughs> really? It, it, was, it was the... When I came to London, yep. my first trip, I was on a TWA L-1011. Wow. It was the only airplane that was able to land at Heathrow because it was zero zero. Okay. So it was so far ahead of its time. And you know the seven fours are going alternates. The uh, you know set, all the aircraft are going alternates. L-1011 yeah. was the only one that can get in, and it was. Uh, it's just always been near and dear to my heart. I've spent many yeah. years flying on it. I got to ride on it in the jump seat so, a couple of times. So what is it that, that you love about the L-1011? What, 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 what is it that really sort of get, gets the juices flowing? It's those RB-211s, man. Yeah. You hear those things start up in the morning and they go... Uh, Yeah, I'm not doing it very well, yeah. but there, you can. There are recordings the, out in the, the way. The spinning up the of the spinning engines up, and stuff. And then yeah. smoking, and then the car, the flight deck was very comfortable, and yeah. it was just very majestic. And just the way it flies with, you know, flies with the direct yeah. lift system, right? And the nose always very high attitude. It just was a fantastic riding aircraft. It's like a Cadillac. Wow. Cadillac wow. in the sky. It was just such a, a beautiful bird. So. Well, Dana, it's been absolutely fantastic to meet you. Thank, Thank you, you very much for chatting Appreciate to us. It. And, uh, well, if, they don't, if they're not listening to APG, I don't know why they aren't. So uh, to get, if, you, if, if you want to enjoy the show, take yourself to airlinepilotguy.com and uh, you will find Dana, Captain Jeff, Dr. Steph and Captain Nick and all the usual crew there, uh, usually once a week. Well, great. Thank you. And PTUK, appreciate the opportunity to uh, interview with you guys. I really enjoyed it and great meeting everybody here today and seeing you guys. So it's been great to meet you. Thanks, Dana. Thank Cheers. you. Thank you. Bye. I was so out of my I comfort like Dana. zone. <laughs> yeah. Dana's good. I thought you were going to be unbearable. Dana's right? good. Dana is, Dana is, is just... You know, he's, he's, he's your, no, he's he's your he's, new favourite APG host, isn't he? No, he's yeah. he's yeah. just up the scale now <laughs> on the awesomeness. Okay. Um, so. I did literally think he's going to be completely unbearable the minute he mentions the word L1011. Oh, he's, oh, uh, yeah. Dear, oh, yeah, dear. Thanks for that, Matt. That was well, well done. Well done. Yeah, well done. <laughs> I, unfortunately, I did a lot of erring and umming because it's not normally me sort of doing the questions. I normally leave that to you, to be fair.
there. But no, that, you, you <laughs> kind of you kind of strayed away there for a minute there. I think I was busy chatting. Somewhere oh, chatting someone up, chatting knowing someone you. Up, if I, I know, know you, blimey. But Is uh, that me and never busy working away. Know. You know, getting content for the show. You're picking your nose. But uh, as always, <laughs> uh, Mr. Bones, sterling of camera course. work Absolutely. from you. Yes. Oh, good. Yeah, glad you liked it. That was, and uh, I also. Also, Somebody's been playing with their caption machine as well. I also appreciated, yeah, I appreciated the captions during that video as well. <laughs> you are a little tinker. Indeed, indeed. Oh. There we go. All part of the fun. Uh, <clears throat> so I uh, hope you enjoyed that, guys and girls. We've got uh, a few more uh, of those pits uh, uh, from mm. Farnborough uh, still in the can, ready yep. to come out in, the, in uh, future episodes. So uh, keep your eyes open. Indeed. Uh, but we have got uh, the military segment to do okay. right now. Yes. So uh, yeah. if everyone's ready. No. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Let's go. No, I, I wasn't joking. I'm, I'm not. Okay, ready. you're not ready. <laughs> See, what Carlos doesn't realise is there's like three screens that I have to go through to get <laughs> no. to when he's just like, right, we're going to do the military. We need a, need a 40 inch. Touchscreen monitor for the uh, for the town. Anyway, that's what she said. Everyone. Yeah. So the first uh, story is on the LincolnshireLive.co.uk website, and it's a story that's uh, very important, I think, to anyone who is anyone who loves the Red Arrows. So uh, you probably all heard that the uh, the RAF are selling off uh, RAF Scampton. Yes. Uh, so the headline here: Which RAF base will the Red Arrows' new home be? So mm. here's uh, what the latest things are from the Ministry of Defence. So since the Ministry of Defence um, announced the closure of RAF Scampton last month, there's been a burning question on most people's lips, including Jonathan Warner. And that is where we're going to keep the Red Arrows. So the Royal Air Force aerobatic team moved to Scampton in 1983, but will be forced to relocate by 2022 if the government does not reverse its decision to shut Scampton. However, no announcement has been made on to where the Red Arrows' new home could be. An MOD spokesman said that they're talking to the Civil Aviation Authority about the airspace and where we can find uh, an airspace that will be good enough for a site for the Red Arrows to go to. They say that uh, if uh, we can or we can find airspace in Yorkshire, we'll move them to Leeming. Um, and if they say there's uh, good airspace around Cranwell, it could be Cranwell as a location as well. Uh, airspace is a complex business, they said. Uh, the southeast of England is one of the busiest airspaces in the world. So while no firm decision has been made, there's no doubt that any announcement that the Red Arrows will be moved out of bomber country, it would be greeted with huge disappointment by yellow bellies. And there's one base in Lincolnshire that does seem a viable option. Uh, RF Cranwell, as the Reds have actually made uh, their home there before. Scampton has been closed by the MOD before in 1995 when the Reds moved to Cranwell and flew to the airspace over Scampton to practice their aerobatics. A number of aviation enthusiasts across the country told Lincolnshire Live that they believe a move to Cranwell is the most logical choice. And uh, the story goes on, but it'd be interesting to see... Um, Obviously, if they shut Scampton, because I, I don't think it's a hundred percent, you know, concrete well, it yet. Seems that they are pretty concrete. Scampton, I have to but... say, in the articles I've been reading this week, I think, I think it might even have been Jonathan that sent me an article. But um, obviously, as, as the story said, you know, they need to move these guys to to a base where they can mm. practice fairly freely. 
um, yeah. with the airspace. Obviously, like it says, it's congested and congesting a lot of parts. Well, then, uh, may I may I propose somewhere here in East Anglia? Then I, I know it'd be an excellent any uh, anyone who ever looks at there's flight. never anyone here at Nev can vouch for that. It takes it takes forever to get here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps we need them to uh, yeah, to move there. Uh, yeah, indeed. Anyway, so on to the next, next story. One. Yeah, this is on the PopularMechanics.com website, and Ooh. the headline is NATO fighter jets accidentally fires air to air <laughs> missile. Oops, uh, near Russian border. Oh, double oops. Hmm. Uh, so Eurofighter 2000 was on a NATO air patrol near the Russian border with Estonia uh, today when it accidentally fired an air-to-air missile. Oops. Uh, the plane returned to uh, some Come on, air base. I'm, I'm not... <laughs> Salilulu... Siaulali. Siaulali. What he said, air base in Lithuania anyway. But the missile is MIA. What does that mean? Missing in action. Missing in action. It's presu- oh right, oh, blimey. It's presumed location is forty kilometers north of Tartu in Estonia. Uh, Spanish authorities are warning people to beware going near something that looks like a missile. Something that looks like a missile. <laughs> right. Uh, the investigation is just beginning, but how can a modern fighter uh, make such a serious mistake? The Eurofighter is a pretty smart aircraft, and a pilot can't just lean on a control stick or mistakenly press a button to fire a missile. The Spanish plane was an uh, was an armament armament control system ACS in place, part of the plane's brain that controls missile missile shots among other things. The fighter's flight manual makes it pretty clear that an air-to-air missile shot requires some interplay between the pilot warplane and ordnance. Uh, the aircraft uh, passes data about the uh, target's direction and speed to the missile before launch the user guide makes it clear that a clean shot is very much intentional and is governed by a process the system calculates the minimum and two maximum weapon ranges which are marked on the scale as horizontal lines the two maximum ranges differ as one range is based on the target remaining at one kilogram while the other assumes that the target will perform an escape maneuver however there are times a pilot might need to make a quick take a quick shot the pilot uh, calls this shooting a missile in boresight mode um, the air the Eurofighter can do this according to the official literature. A gapped circle of fixed diameter having six dashes and centred on the LFD indicates the area in which the AMRAM will uh, search Then, uh, when launched in visual mode 7.5 degrees around the bore site known as the acquisition cone. But this is a dangerous move taken only when a pilot is outnumbered by hostile aircraft since the missile locks onto the first threat it sees. The idea that a NATO pilot should see uh, sh- uh, took steps by accident seems very remote. Ooh. So the incident in Europe today will be researched and scrutinised with investigators looking for human error, flight control computer bugs and other potential causes. If the incident holds true to history, it will be a combination of both. Ooh. If NATO is lucky, the bad shooting will lead to e- will lead to easily made changes in software or training that will prevent future mishaps. So it's a slightly... Um, 
worrying story if it was sort of you know near Russian yeah. airspace. There could have um, been a, or, or there could have almost been a very nasty incident here. Nev, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think it's, uh, as uh, Armando pointed out in the chat room just now, yes. someone's Oops. going to fill out a bit of paperwork. Yes, I think, yes, yeah, I think there's going to be some forms needed filling in to, to put that one right. But uh, as you say, I mean, the article is uh, sorry, I didn't do a very good job of reading. Reading. No, it, I think you don't. Fair, pay, but actually, but the the, su- the, sum- the summary of it essentially is that these things don't tend to launch accidentally. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's not just a case of "oops, I've caught the button and off it goes." Um, you know, so there, there's obviously either bugs or human error or both, as it's yeah. indicating <laughs> as to how come it accidentally deployed a missile that they now can't find. I think. It, I wonder if it's significant that it's missing in action. Well, it's Ooh, lying somewhere. It's, right. lying, it's lying somewhere it, anyway, though, it, along yeah. with the wreckage of something. Who knows? Keep your eyes on uh, on eBay. It could, could appear on, on eBay. eBay. <laughs> Okay. Yes. Fair enough. That's an unusual approach. Yes. Well, you, okay. You, you never know. Good. Good. Yes. Never know. <laughs> so the next story then is on uh, Flight Global's website, flightglobal uh, dot com. Drinking coffee here. Are you? Right. And, it's not uh, working. Yes. No. It's. I know it's my birthday, but I'm not <laughs> yeah. drinking alcohol yet. No. Okay. A bit early. Yes. So uh, Lockheed Martin delivers. Or, or we could ask. Or we could get Nev to read it, seeing as it's his go. Oh, is it Nev? Yeah. Oh God, I'm doing <laughs> miles out here. Hey, sorry, Nev. <laughs> If the birthday boy wants to read no, it, no, 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 no. He, he can't read it. Right. Actually, no, no, def- definitely read this one because I'm going to do a quick bit of research. Oh, are so you? Carry on. Oh. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, okay. Right. Well, as uh, Carlos says, uh, Lockheed Martin uh, delivered its last C5M Super Galaxy to the US Air Force on the 2nd of August, ending the services upgrade program for the Vietnam War era heavy lift aircraft. Air Mobility Command began a program to modernize the C5s in 1998 after a study concludes that the decades-old aircraft had 80% of their service life remaining. Since then, Lockheed Martin upgraded 52 C5s for, their, uh, for the US Air Force with new engines, avionics and diagnostic systems. Upgrades which will extend the service life of the fleet out until the 2040s. As part of the modernization program, the C5's engines were upgraded from four GE TF-39 engines to the F-138 engines and the new engines deliver a 22% increase in thrust, a 30% shorter takeoff roll, a 58% faster climb rate according to the US Air Force. Uh, Lockheed Martin says that the new engines are also 10 times more reliable and quieter and the aircraft's range was increased from 900 nautical miles to 5,250 nautical miles over its predecessors. The first C-5 was delivered in 19 70 with 128 aircraft of the original a b and c variations delivered up until 1989 according to the u.s air force uh, aircraft that weren't scheduled to be upgraded were retired by september 2017 the first operational c5m was delivered to dover air force base delaware in 2009 and the aircraft are manufactured at Lockheed Martin's Marietta, Georgia facility. Touted as the UAS, USAF's largest transport, the aircraft's nose and aft doors open, allowing ground crews to simultaneously load and offload cargo from both ends, reducing cargo transfer times. Its wide berth and drive-on ramps enables double rows of Humvees to be carried. The C5 is also capable of carrying two ton, sorry, two 78-ton M1A1 main battle tanks or helicopters and other large equipment into continental distances. So, yeah, massive upgrade there uh, for the US Air Force. I, I, I popped the picture up earlier, but I mean, I'm sorry, I'm going to do it again because this is a stunningly huge awesome, piece of yeah. kit, isn't it? 
It just looks like a beast. I've I'm, seen one of these at, yeah. um, at various air shows and stuff, and up close and personal, they mm. are awesome bits of kit. But bear in mind, these aircraft first flew back in uh, June 1968. Right. 1968. So it's you know, mm. it's one, another one of those really well-built aircraft. Lasting, think, lasting, um, yeah. And um, rough kind of, I mean, because we always like to have a price on these things. Don't we? <laughs> right. But yeah. uh, you, you, the latest version list of these. List price, obviously. List price, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, list, the latest version, the C5M. Uh, which has obviously had all the avionics upgrades, which if you look at the pictures actually looks quite nice on the flight deck. Mm. Um, uh, will set you back just over a hundred million dollars. Cheap million dollars. Easy peasy. That's not bad price really, considering how much stuff you can move with that thing. Right. Okay. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's probably a bit much for a house move, but you know. <laughs> I mean, considering the Euro Millions was how much this week? Seventy. Well, I, I think it was seventy something million. I think. Right. Something like that. Okay. Um, I, th- I think I, I think there's other things I'd rather spend it on, mate. I've got oh, to be okay. Yeah, no, <laughs> you got to have somewhere to put this galaxy yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. mean, it costs you that for the hangar, I should imagine. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, that is where we are going to bring the military news segment to a close. Okay. And uh, yeah, so we've got um, we've got some info um, in mm-hmm. regards to next weekend because next Saturday is obviously our PTUK summer flying barbecue at Seething Airfield here in uh, in. In, well, in, just down the road from us here, yes, about three indeed. or four miles from us mm. here. And uh, we've got a little bit of info, so we're going to run through the uh, various bits of info for that. So for those of you who are listening... Uh, to the show at the moment, we are going to be sending out an email to anyone who's emailed us to the show uh, with some details, timings and stuff. Uh, if you don't receive an email by end of play tomorrow, uh, can you just fire us an email to podcast at plaintalkinguk.com mm-hmm. and uh, I'll send that email to you if you haven't received one. But for those of you listening who may be coming down to see us here at uh, Seething next weekend, uh, we're going to try and all kind of congregate at the airfield at around about 12 p.m. midday yep. um obviously me and matt uh, will, be, will be, be there, there at two in the morning yeah, yeah, yeah be about there two o'clock in the morning i think at this um, rate anyway for <laughs> those of you uh, for those of you who might uh, want the address uh it's uh, seething airfield and uh that is seething um uh, which is just outside norwich yeah uh which is our biggest city here Oh, uh, there's a bit of scratching there from yes. the headphones. Uh, if you're using a sat nav, uh, you want to put the postcode in November Romeo 35 to Echo Quebec, and that will give you uh, the postcode to find it with a sat nav because it is in the countryside. It is, yes. Seeding airfield. And so, uh, Nev, what other info have we got there for uh, the guys and girls? Oh, yes. I'm, I'm really glad you gave me some advance uh, notes of that. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, uh, if you are flying in, uh, the airfield frequency for seating radio is 122.605. A couple of phone numbers for you as well, which will be useful. The airfield clubhouse manager, 01508-550-453. And the airfield manager number is 01508 Two. Now, Seething's got a 800-meter asphalt runway, uh, which is designated 24, uh, sorry, 2406, and the circuit pattern uh, is left-hand, uh, 1,000 feet above aerodrome level 424, and right-hand, 1,000 feet above aerodrome level 406. There is a standard overhead join upon arrival, and please 
fly your circuits, avoiding the local villages. Uh, departures from 06 are subject to a noise abatement procedure. Uh, turn 30, uh, right 30 degrees after passing the upwind upwind end of the runway um, and uh, yes so that that's those are the details mm. you can actually find that information as well on the uh, seething airfield yep. uh, website too indeed also it's worth a couple of things that i will just mention if i may obviously if you are planning what the menu to, uh, what sorry what the menu no no, no oh. that's just a barbecue <laughs> don't get excited i haven't decided it. Uh, two things i will mention first of all yeah. though or really is that if, if you would like to fly in please can you let us know yeah. uh, so that we can warn the airfield in advance i know the contact details and stuff are there but also we need to know for catering purposes so if you are coming in um because hopefully um we're you know we're going to be sort of sorting out the landing fees basically so we need to know who's coming uh, and the second thing uh is it's very much weather dependent uh, and the decision yes. the final decision about whether it's definitely dun, dun, going ahead dun. is actually going to be taken by experts not us it's going to be taken by pilot pip and captain al basically as to whether it's definitely going ahead because they are let's be honest they are experts when it comes to this sort of thing yes uh, certainly in regard to flying because we have got i'm pleased to say we've got lots of people flying in i'm really excited i know about it um but the final decision as to whether it's definitely going ahead because the weather has been very odd will be made on thursday of this week yeah uh so please watch your our social media feeds which is uh plane talking uh, uk uh so search for plane talking uk on both twitter and facebook and and Instagram and all that kind of thing. Uh, and then it's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, if there's anything that you're not sure about, please don't hesitate to get in touch. It's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com and we'll answer any questions that you have. But yes, as I say, so at the moment, the forecast looks very favourable both for Saturday and Sunday at the moment. Um, so we're, we're not anticipating any major changes, but we all know what the British weather can be like and it can change at the blink of an eye. So for safety reasons, the decision will be made on Thursday as to whether it's definitely yeah. going ahead or not but I mean at the moment it looks it all looks promising so we're planning for everything to go ahead bit of exciting news oh yes yeah uh, I had a message this week earlier this week from uh, Alan Bales who's a very good yes. friend of the show and uh, fingers crossed and this is fingers crossed and he's had a slight issue with uh, a service on the engine of the aircraft but he's hoping to come to seeding next week now Alan has got a T-51 Mustang oh wow uh, which is a well it's like it's a replica uh, uh, P-51 mm. Mustang but slightly slightly shorter it's a T-51 Mustang mm. and f hopefully fingers crossed Alan yeah. has said that he'll be flying in uh, in with that aircraft next weekend as well, Fantastic. and if he does, this aircraft is pretty awesome. Pretty special. It'd be nice to sky. see it close up, actually, as well, because uh, I've only ever seen it in the air. Yes, so. and Alan does yeah. aerobatics as well, yeah. uh, which is mm. quite cool. So we could even have our very own PTK oh, no, 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 no. summer air show. Seething, <laughs> <laughs> steady. Um, and also, don't forget as well, um, we've got a very good friend of ours, Dan, who is the guy who uh, looked after us and sorted all this out for yeah. us at Seething. And uh, Dan has a long EZ, uh, nice. for which if you have, don't know what the long EZ is, Google it. It's yeah. it's an interesting aircraft, yep. to say the least, but it's awesome uh, to see mm. up close. And Dan will be there as well with, with that, along with a, a gathering of P-28s, Cessnas, 
and yeah. uh, whatever else if, flies um, in. By the way, if, you, if you're not flying in, you, you're still welcome to join us if you want to come by a car. Yeah. Again, use the same sat-nav yeah. as, as sat-nav postcode that, that Carlos said, which was... The sat-nav sorry, was code was November Romeo 35 yeah. to Echo Quebec. And again, if you wouldn't mind just emailing us, and this is purely for catering numbers, so we know yeah. how many burgers to bring, basically, because yeah. uh, mum and I will be preparing things on Thursday in regard to, to food. The plan at the moment, well, what we're hoping is to say everybody to, to uh, get here about 12, um, and then we're going to sort of basically have a barbecue and sort of socialise and things, and then technology permitting, and I do stress technology permitting, we're hoping to do a bit of a live show from there with with you all there which i think will be nice so it yeah, would be yeah we're looking forward fun. to it we're looking for hopefully as many of you guys and girls yep. listening to the show and not course, only today but obviously the audio version which will go out tomorrow yep. hopefully you'll be able to uh, to join us and the great news is of course uh, the legend that is nev is not only flying in with sir captain of al um but uh, he's bringing mrs nev Yay! too yeah so we're hopefully uh, all being well as long as the weather holds mm. out coming uh, al's coming down to Wickham Air Park, which is my local GA airfield, mm. and then we're heading east over to you guys. Indeed. So, uh, and yeah. and uh, awesome. Pip's, Pip's picking up a few as well, isn't he? He's bringing a plane full, I think, as well. He's got Barbara and uh, Myla, uh, yeah. and uh, yeah. I think there was a third. I don't, anyway, I'm getting getting into it. Yeah. plane full. It's, it's going to be very coming. very exciting. Yeah, yeah, so we, we'll worry about the logistics when they're all here as to how we get them from from one place to another. But anyway, it's going to be really good fun. Oh, so before we finish the show, uh, we normally do this at the beginning of the oh. show. But okay. we thought we'd have a bit of a, a, a turnaround day. No, and, that's uh, not what you mean at all. It's because you forgot, Carlos. It's because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even I didn't follow this week's show. No, no indeed, absolutely. Yes. So, uh, obviously, as we do at this time of the month, uh, we're going to hand things over to, uh, to Nev to, to thank a few people. Yes, and uh, once again, your contributions to the Patreon fund have been fantastic. So we have to thank Adam Spink, Adrian Meacham, Andrew Wilson, Captain Jeff... Eric Graves, Evan Shue, Graham Haley, Jeff Ward, Jonathan Warner, Jordan Rose, Lee Parkinson, Liz Piper, Matt Caton, Matt Donemeyer, Matt Buntingframe, Myla, Neil Lanwarn, Nick Anderson, Nico Rager, uh, Philip Laib, Ray Williams, Ryan Harper, Stuart Backer, Stephanie Plummer, Steve Andress, Stuart Black, Trevor Smith and York Moller and we have some recurring um, donations from uh, Jenny Parkinson and Tom Thomas and some special uh, seething donations from Richard Adams and from Myla so that's very all, exciting. all very nice yes, and very uh, I've just noticed uh, just as I've been talking um... oh, you've God. got mail <laughs> okay hang on uh, hang dear on. Carlos this is a message from the APG crew because somebody told me I had to do this. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We love you and wishing you a happy birthday, Carlos. I hope you have a great day. Hey, Carlos, Dr. Steph here. Just wanted to say a quick cheers to another trip around the sun and give you all my best wishes for another upcoming year filled with aviation and beer and friends and more podcasts. <laughs> Happy birthday. Oh, Brilliant. Well done. Carlos, um, mate, your age. Did you know it was uh, the same number as Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart's <laughs> longest and last symphony? Right. <laughs> and uh, Charlton Heston's designation on the Roman warship in the film Ben-Hur had the same number. 
in addition, remember Morpheus from Matrix? Well, he was on the 41st floor when he was being beaten up and questioned. But much more importantly, um, it's a marvelous number to have. So congratulations for getting there, and good luck uh, if you want to get to 42. <laughs> I just learned, Nick, that he's actually 42 this year. Oh, is that right? I can work that out. <laughs> hey, by the way, it's the same number as Roger Bannister wore on his chest when he broke the four-minute mile. Wow. It's also the direct international direct dialing code for Switzerland. <laughs> this is way more information than you wanted to know, Carlos. And uh, George H.W. Bush was the 41st president. <laughs> Dana, do you have anything to say to Carlos? It also, Whoa, means, it also means you're a homosexual in Mexico. <laughs> 41 is slang <laughs> for homosexual. Right. So, <laughs> you know. yeah. I'm sending this to him. <laughs> that's, that's due to the 1901 arrest of 41 homosexuals in a hotel in Mexico City. Oh thought you'd like to know that now. Dana, can you actually speak right now? <laughs> okay. Liz, do you want to go? <laughs> no. Hey. hey, Carlos. It, as we'd say in Boston, happy frickin' birthday, man. <laughs> and another year older, another trip around the sun, as Dr. Seth said. And, you know, let me tell you something. It was great to meet you. I came over. Uh, we came over for the uh, air show in Farnborough. As they say over there, and uh, great to uh, spend some time with you and uh, get to meet you and, and know you. So many, many happy more birthdays ahead of you, and uh, you're still a young chap, as you would say over there in the lovely <laughs> uh, English language. So uh, continue with the great podcast and keep us laughing and cheering on for, uh, for what you guys do over there, and uh, thank you for... Uh, spending some time with us over there in England. So happy, 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 many, many more birthdays to you. Enjoy it. <laughs> it's Liz here. Um, my honor and pleasure to say happy birthday to you. Um, it was just great to be able to meet you in Pittsburgh last year. And hopefully I'll see you again maybe in a couple of years at Farnborough. Let Yay. you never know. Anyway, happy birthday. Have a great time, you and Gemma and Poppy. Oh. And... Uh, <laughs> Happy birthday. Bye. And finally, you probably thought that this would never end, and it's about to. <laughs> I found a flying reference. Oh, my gosh. Remember the Alfred Hitchcock film, North by Northwest, where Cary Grant was attacked by a crop-dusting airplane? It was on the corner of Highway 41. And with that, we bid you a farewell, and as we would all like to say one more time, Happy birthday! <laughs> Do you know the funniest thing oh, about the God. funniest thing about that Nev is that the bit where it was really funny, uh, he had to pop out because somebody was at the door. <laughs> so oh, really? that'll oh, be something sure for him to look will, forward to on catch Blinking Amazon, blinking Amazon. <laughs> Honestly. Yes, that'll be a real treat for you. Um, <laughs> thanks, Captain Nick. Always oh, mentally awesome, scarring as always. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you lot are just so good. Honestly, <laughs> e every I tell you, since I, since we started doing this show, every yeah. every year, my birthday is just that bit more awesome. Yes. It's actually on your day, on your actual <laughs> know, birthday, which is on nice birthday, this year. Yeah, and this it is, year. Yeah, so so happy birthday, Carlos. And thank you, Ned, for sorting all that out. That was uh, 
that was that was very sweet. Of I you. still have hair though. Look, look yeah, at that. you do. Look it's not bad. The length yeah. of that. Yeah, hair. needs the a chop. Put the camera on. Is, yeah. There we go. Oh, you want? Are you yeah. want with the camera? You want them look, to see it? All right. Look, look at this. Look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all right, well done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's all right. I had a policeman this week tell me my hair was receding, so... Uh, OK. <laughs> you can borrow some of mine. No, no, you're all right, thanks. So, uh, uh, before we go, just quick uh, social media links and stuff. Uh, don't forget, we have our website where you can go and purchase yourself a very fine P2K T-shirt, if mm-hmm. you wanted to, and uh, take yourselves over to there and have a look. And uh, also, there are some pictures on the website as well from Farnborough, which yep. are on there. If you haven't seen the pictures from Farnborough, take yourselves over to the website. There are some Farnborough pictures on there. And that is about it, really. Yeah, it So is. we're going to wrap up yeah. episode number 229 for this week. A huge thanks to everyone who's joined us today via the live chat room on YouTube. You mm. lot are awesome as always. Uh, always and uh, we we love you all really and a big thanks to Nev for um, for well for sticking with us today because (laughs) obviously after Friday's debacle Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, no thanks to you Nev I hope you enjoy your uh, Sunday and uh, give all our best to uh, Mrs. Nev yes I certainly will and uh, yeah hope you have a great uh, birthday for the remainder of the day mate Indeed. And yeah. uh, that is where we bring episode 229 to a close. There Don't forget go. to join us next week for the show. And, uh, well, from the PTUK studios. Yeah, so, and, uh, uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, obviously it's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. It's social media, search for us with at plaintalkinguk, both on Twitter and Facebook. You'll find us using those handles. Uh, not 100% sure what time we're going to be live next week because obviously it's going to be on Saturday, that we do know. And we're aiming for about 2pm, but it'll depend, depend a bit on weather and, and things like that. So we're aiming for about 2pm and we're Hoping to be live from Seething Air Show Woo! as part of our Peter UK Summer Barbecue. So, uh, from all of us here in the studio and uh, and wherever it is that you are listening and watching, thank you so much for joining us this time. Say goodbye. Bye-bye, goodbye, everyone. Woo-hoo!